Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season. Everything from NFL playoffs to pro and college basketball, UFC, MMA, and more. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. With live betting options, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable, Bet Online is truly the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events. Head to betonline.ag today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BELIEVE to receive your rewards. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Believe in OK State podcast. I'm Megan Robinson, joined once again by Justin Southwell and Eve Batoba. Guys, it's kind of been a somewhat crazy week. There's some exciting news for players. We lost our DC. Uh, how, how are you feeling this off-season week? <laughs> You know, something that I was thinking about was how as crazy as this offseason has been, especially on the offensive side, I feel all right. You know, I don't feel as bad as I felt earlier in the offseason. We have, I think, what's going to be a pretty good quarterback battle. If I had to guess, uh, Alan Bowman is probably going to win the transfer from Michigan. Uh, You know, I I think whenever he was coming out, he was a four-star recruit, played in the Big Ten, coming into the Big 12 coming back to the Big 12 as he played at Texas Tech in the past. You have the majority of the offensive line sticking together. I'm really happy about that. And not to mention, you have some weapons that are really coming back. Ollie Gordon, the running back of the future. You have Brennan Presley, who I believe was uh, the most underutilized, best target that we have at wide receiver. And, you know, with the transfers that are coming in, I'm like, you know, even if our offensive coordinator is, you know, sometimes a little underwhelming, he's a guy who I think right now realizes that he has a lot to prove this upcoming season. So whenever you kind of have that, you know, that little fire under your butt, maybe you get to coach a little different. Maybe you scheme it up differently. I'm like, I'm all right. From the offensive standpoint, I think I'm good. I don't know what the heck we're going to do about the defense because last minute Derek Mason just ups and leaves. But at least I feel like I can be at ease on the offensive side of the ball. Well, really quickly, Justin, Kendall Daniels was named to the Football Writers Association freshman All-American team. So at least we have him coming back. He had 71 total tackles this year, six and a half for a loss, three interceptions. He's only a freshman, but maybe he can step up and be sort of a leader on that defense as a sophomore. Yeah, no, definitely. I think uh, the last time that we had a freshman, I I could be wrong, freshman All-American on the defensive side. Was that Colin Oliver? Yeah, last year, Mm -hmm. Colin Oliver. And then before that, I believe it was Sean Lewis, whenever you and I played, uh, Justin, right? So you talk about guys that are beast. Sean Lewis, if he would have played just eight years later, probably would have gotten drafted into the NFL because of how much the, the, the game shifted as a guy who was, you know, 215 pounds as a linebacker. And now everybody in the NFL is 215 to 220 pounds, right? Uh, but yeah, uh, good, good for him. Like great for him. I believe he got invited to the NFL PA collegiate bowl as well. He's going to be representing Oklahoma state there. Um, as long as he can ball out, he has a chance to really. Did get... he get invited or was it Jason Taylor? Cause I knew that Jason Taylor got invited to that. Oh, my bad. He's not even. Yeah. He's yeah. like, um, he's a sophomore. That was Jason getting, Taylor. You're mixing up your DBs there. I'm getting my safeties <laughs> mixed up hundred percent, but no, I mean, if he can continue to build on the season that he had, uh, his, his future is very, very promising. 
I don't know why, but you mentioned uh, Sean Lewis, and for whatever reason, I thought of um, Micah Parsons. <laughs> Just like, oh, number 11, 11 for the Cowboys. Yeah. Number 11. Right um, my number. You know, I was thinking like with this being another crazy week for Oklahoma State with Derek Mason announcing that he's taking a sabbatical. Uh, I don't know. I think it could have been worse. So I, I kind of took that just in stride. I'm just over it at this point. So I don't know. I'm ready ready to start seeing the good news start rolling in, like the Kendall Daniels being named to the freshman All-American team. Like that stuff is, you know, stuff in the right direction. So let's let's get some more of that. Well, you know, whenever you saw the regression that took place in the defense from, you know, last year compared to the year before that, I know that there was, you know, a huge defensive coordinator shift, but I'm not too angry about it. I'm like, yeah, we kind of, we kind of, you know, we sunk a little bit. So if we're making a change at DC, that's completely fine with me. Hopefully the next person that comes in is, is somebody that can turn the ship around. Okay. Before I get your thoughts on who you would like to see realistic or not. I mean, we'll take Jim Knowles out of it. We know he's definitely probably not coming back, but um, I was talking to someone the other day and they brought up an interesting point that in Derek Mason's message to cowboy family about taking a sabbatical, he says college football. Do you think there's any potential that we could possibly see Derek Mason as a DC in the NFL next year? No. What would that would that surprise you if that happened? Yeah, I'd be extremely surprised if that happened. I just, yeah, I just, I, I don't see it. Like typically, if if you're gonna go and make that leap, you have to have like some proof points, right? Like, hey, let's see something good that that has happened over the past couple of years. Even whenever he was at Auburn, Auburn fans were like, "Yo, get this guy out of here." <laughs> I mean, it sucks to say, but Auburn fans, you know, were, were trying to move on for him. So I just, yeah, I don't see it happening. I don't know. Anything's possible. So I, I don't know if I, if that's his goal and he wants to take off from college football to pursue the NFL, um, more power to him. But yeah, I would like to see a little bit more of a full body of work here at Oklahoma state before he made the jump. But Hey, yeah. I mean, the, the NFL job is a lot less taxing on the body. A lot. You have a lot more free time, right? There are several months here and there that you actually get to take off unlike college football where recruiting never sleeps. So I guess I wouldn't be as surprised simply because honestly, the coaching circle is really like a buddy system. <laughs> if you know somebody that knows somebody and they yeah. like you, then you can get an opportunity. And I just want to stress, I've heard nothing about that. I am not speculating. I'm simply noting, noting the wording on his thing. He specifically says college. He does not say football in general. So True. Stay tuned. Again, not speculating, not assuming anything. Just hypothetical. Just just talking scenarios. With that, who would you guys like to see in Stillwater filling that role? Or is there someone currently on the staff who you would like to see promoted into that position? Yeah, speaking of hypotheticals, that's the way I took this question. So it's straight up hypothetical for me. Really? Um, but yeah, I have – the top of my mind is always – Iowa State, for some reason, it seems like they're consistently the best or near the top of the best defense in the Big 12. So I would like to see John Haycock or somebody from his tree to jump over here to Oklahoma State and teach us your ways. Uh, Phil Parker, another Iowa. He's the Iowa defensive coordinator. Yeah. Uh, I think that he's probably sitting Iowa. pretty pretty right now with his money coming in. But um, 
they consistently have uh, an excellent defense, always near the top, it seems like. And um, if if there's anybody that is a, you know, uh, how do I phrase this? What have you done for me lately kind of defensive coordinator? I think that'd go to the Marshall defensive coordinator. So uh, Lance Guidry, uh, we could double your salary if you came to Oklahoma State. You want to think about that a little bit? So. Uh, those are those are kind of my top choices right off the cuff from the outside hires, um, but obviously if there's an inside guy, got to think it's Joe Bob Clements. Yeah, you would think it's Joe Bob Clements. Honestly, I want to know who has been following um, our guy over at Ohio State. So why am I going blank right now? Knowles. Yeah, whoever has been following him the closest ever during his coaching tenure. Mm-hmm. Let's just coach him. Like I want to know from the person who has learned from him the most. Uh, that was the most excited that I had ever been about Oklahoma State defenses whenever Jim Knowles was the defensive coordinator. Like, I want his understudy. I want that guy's protege to come into Oklahoma State, whoever he is. Now, I do like taking the approach that we took with Mike Yersich, right? We're looking for an offensive coordinator, and then we go into a, a program that was running a great offense, similar offense to what we like, but nobody had, had ever really heard about him. I would love for us to just kind of go and find somebody that nobody knows of, kind of a diamond in the rough type of situation. Come on up. I love uh, – I know Kurt Matix or Matix. I don't know how you say his name, the defensive coordinator over at San Diego State, a guy who has been able to get them, you know, top 12 finishes and defenses over the past couple of seasons. Um, You can double his salary even, right? You go ahead and get him out of San Diego State, come on over to Stillwater, Oklahoma, and and work some of that magic over here. But, um, yeah, it's it's, the whole coaching carousel, again, it always comes down to, hey, who maybe do you know that nobody else knows about? And it seems like Coach Gundy kind of has a knack for finding those individuals um, out of nowhere. How coveted of a position do you think the defensive coordinator role is at Oklahoma State? I'm asking because in 2021, we're coming off a of Fiesta Bowl. You're coming off of one of the best, def- you know, top five defense in the country. That's a very appealing job. And then this year, you're seven and six. You lose in the guaranteed rate bowl. It was a lot more of a roller coaster season. So, how many coaches? Like how how appealing is this job? Do you guys think? I don't know that it's really, I guess, that appealing at this point. Um, from the outside looking in, you'd probably imagine it's pretty hard to recruit defensive players to the Big 12, and then you have to factor in Stillwater, Oklahoma on top of that. And I think that that's probably a big hurdle that a lot of people can't imagine getting over. But, I mean, we've seen it with Jim Knowles. Like, it can be done. You can be a, a top defense. So um, it just it's just a matter of how bad do you want it. Yeah, I tend to disagree. I think that it's a highly attractive job. I mean, there's so much talent all over the place. You look at Justin Wright, who just came in from Tulsa, right? A guy who could potentially go out there and give you 100 tackles, right? You have pieces. You have a guy who is a freshman All-American in Kendall Daniels. You have a, um, uh, what is it, Ladarius Webb, who was coming in, and he was a top junior junior college recruit. You have Colin Oliver on, on the defensive. There's so many different pieces that it's exciting. Like, why would you not want to take your chance with talent with that much talent so if i'm you know one of these other coaches around the country and i see that i'm like okay we can make something happen here especially with a defense that gets as creative in coverage 
um, as we do, right? And I think, too, this, the fact that you're actually playing in the Big 12, if your goal isn't to at least stay at Oklahoma State, you can look at it as an opportunity to go somewhere else. If you if you just take a look, for example, at the NFL playoffs right now, five of the starting quarterbacks in the NFL playoffs all come from the Big 12 Conference. That's okay. crazy. Right. No other conference has more than two. So five of them from the Big 12 Conference, that's Jalen Hurst, that's Patrick Mahomes, that's Skylar Thompson in Miami, who just got uh, eliminated. Uh, Brock, Purdy. Know, Brock Purdy out of Iowa State. And then the fifth one is escaping me right now. But there were five of them in the NFL. So you get to show off against teams and against players who are potentially – you know, historically going to make it at the next level and going to find success at the next level. So there's a chance to boost up your resume coming into this. Uh, this Did year. you say Gino? Gino Smith. Yeah, that's the other guy. Was he in the Was he in the Big was 12? Was he in the time? Big 12? Was he ACC yeah. at that he time? We played him. Okay. Played him our senior year. Oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah. I forget when West Virginia. Yeah, we're the same, same, same class, 2013. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. By the way, speaking of that game, I'm pretty sure that he had 400 yards. And there was like over 500 yards of total offense in that game. You had uh, Stedman Bailey as well as Tavon Austin. Oh, God. Balling it up. Right? <laughs> there was like a thousand yards of total offense in that game. And we still ended up winning somehow, some way. So <laughs> no defense was played and we won. But what? come to the Big 12 and coach defense, please. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, look, everybody is using that type of offense now. So it was very new, right? It was so unique at the time. But 2023, I mean, come on. Everybody's putting up 40-plus points. Eve, you mentioned some of the recruits coming in. Uh, last week, we had our uniform special, so did we not? We did not get to address that QB Alan Bowman committed. As Eve said, he played at, where was it, Mi Michigan and Texas Tech. Um, mm -hmm. But then on our side, we did lose a couple people. Bryson Green committed to Wisconsin. Sean Tyler, who committed – early in the transfer portal from West, Western Michigan, decommitted from Oklahoma State and commits to Minnesota. So we already lost someone who committed, but that's okay because we got former Michigan State running back Elijah Collins. He's 6'1 in 215. That is a massive running back. He, in his career with the Spartans, 1,500 yards, 11 touchdowns, averaging 4.3 yards per carry. So it's pretty exciting. Yeah. And we got some more players from uh, the the – signing right slot receiver Jalen Pope who was a freaking stud out of Alito Texas right. he had eight receptions 228 yards and three touchdowns in their state title game which they won he had 64 catches for 64 catches over 1200 yards and 14 touchdowns he was averaging 19.6 yards per catch as Come a senior now. that's like insane yeah, I mean, you four commits over the weekend coming to Oklahoma State. I think that now you're starting to see a little bit more stability, right? The rumors about which coach on the offensive side, in, anyway, which coach is going to leave, which coach is going to stay. Okay, at least there's some stability there, right? Maybe some more announcements are going to come in the near future. Who knows? But it's easier to sell these recruits on the program, especially these tight ends, right? I don't look. You you take a look at some of these tight ends coming to Oklahoma State. You're like, yo, why why are you coming here? I wonder if it's part of the recruiting pitch to say like, hey, look, you know, Jelani Woods is in the NFL right now. He was at Oklahoma State, even though you know 
Virginia, by way of Virginia. But, you know, you, you take a look at that. And you saw some, some of the guys who are in the NFL and the cowboy back position, which allows you to be a more well-rounded tight end, uh, which is attractive at the next level. I wonder if that's how you go about selling it. But it's good to see that all these players are actually committing uh, via the portal as well as, you know, from, from high school. Well, that's a good point. You mentioned maybe on a podcast before that you want to bring in players. And one of the biggest selling points is making it to the NFL, developing the talent so that you can make it to the NFL. Historically, if we use our tight end, they make it to the NFL. Um, And I I think that you could definitely use that in your recruiting pitch to say, we're going to change change some things up. Uh, we'd like to use the tight end a little bit more. And, hey, look at these guys that we've put in the league. Yeah, so I, I like that idea. I like it a lot. Um, I think that with the way things are shifting on the offensive side, especially if you're going to get the run game going again, uh, it's it's probably a, to our advantage to use a tight end in that position a little bit more uh, to to get some more blockers at the next level. So. I mean, you saw what former offensive coordinator Todd Munkin did all season long at Georgia. Nobody used the tight end position better than him in the country. Yeah. Right? Come back. Please, please, Todd Munkin, come back. Hey, write a blank check to Todd Munkin. <laughs> I digress. But you get him. I mean, you just don't see it happening enough in the country right now. Why aren't more people using tight ends creatively? Um but, yeah, I mean, I would love to see our tight ends get utilized in a way that, uh, you know, you don't have to wait until they get to the NFL to see just how talented they are, whether that's going to the Dallas Cowboys or going to the Indianapolis Colts. I will say I can't speak for Oklahoma State and how they use their tight ends because I know that they don't really. But there is a value in having a tight end who can be an extra blocker on a, a play as well. And sometimes, even though they might not have the highest stats, if you can be a very successful blocker, that does also help. Not always get the stats for it, but that's important too. Well, yeah, there's definitely a value for that, especially in our offense where. Yeah. So it's like, okay, come here. Maybe you're not going to have, you know, several receptions, you know, eight receptions a game. But if you block and you can create, you know, we can get average four and a half, five yards per carry. That's also incredibly important to an offense. So, but. What do I know? I'm not a coordinator. I'm not paid to make those. But it's also it's also a need in the NFL, right? Because sure. a lot of the NFL tight ends, I mean, we're seeing a lot of great ones come through, and some of them are retiring. But that position is basically taking over for the lack of a fullback now. Yeah. And the reason Oklahoma State hasn't been using one, I'm not 100% sure, but I think that no that's idea. huge if you want to move forward in, in college football, being able to develop tight ends and just say, hey, I know like Notre Dame is kind of known for their tight ends, but look over here at Oklahoma State. Look what they're putting in the league right now. Yeah, and, and you know what's interesting is, you know, I mentioned earlier about how linebackers have gotten smaller and smaller. So what you're actually starting to see in the NFL is an overcompensation for uh, power offenses, right? So over the past, I would say like six years, the most effective way to actually run the football in the NFL has been through an outside zone. Outside zones have been putting out 1,500 yard rushers, 2,000 yard rushers. This season, I think outside zone schemes were averaging less than four yards per carry. And the most effective runs have actually been power, right? So you take a look at the power runs in the NFL. Why is that? So I think it was actually a couple of years ago, whenever uh, Bill Belichick decided that he was going to bring in, you know, sign all these big tight ends during free agency, beef up the offensive line because 
these defenders were getting smaller and smaller. He was like, okay, we're just going to get bigger on the O-line, make sure that we can move these guys around a lot easier using a power formation, right? Offset eye, all that. So now what you're starting to see is, okay, well, everybody is starting to get bigger all over again. Like they want their tight ends to weigh 245 pounds, or sorry, their linebackers to weigh 245 pounds again because they don't want you to be moved so easily. So it's so interesting how everything is so cyclical and comes back full cycle. So if you can come to Oklahoma State, this is a pitch to every tight end that is considering Oklahoma State. Come to Oklahoma State, you will know how to block, and NFL offenses are looking for tight ends that can block effectively, a la George Kittle, okay? So if you want to be the next George Kittle, come to Oklahoma State. we got a scholarship for you. I mean, back when Gronk was on the Patriots, I'm a Patriots fan, and I would also, you know, when I could, I would take him as my fantasy tight end because it's Rob Gronkowski, one of the greatest tight ends to play the game. And I would get so mad some games. I'm like, why is he not catching the ball? But then he would have, like, a key block to allow, you know, um, Stephen Ridley or James White or insert running back here to get a first down. I was like, because you're blocking. And I'm like, okay, as a Patriots fan, I'm really happy you just did that. But as a fantasy person, that's <laughs> <you're> ball. <laughs> Hey, and we might see some of that. I mean, the Patriots are really good at it. Running back by committee. They're one of the best NFL teams to do it over the last couple of decades. But we might start to see that a little bit with Oklahoma State. If we're bringing in tight ends, uh, we brought in the Michigan State running back, Elijah Collins. And um, I don't necessarily know. I don't expect him to be like high on the depth chart, but I, I do appreciate him coming to Oklahoma state and filling the need and having the added depth. Um, I, I'm excited to see where he ends up and how he's able to compete and everything. But I was a little bit concerned if I'm being honest, cause we, I think we can all agree that Oklahoma state's rushing offense was pretty bad last year, right? Yeah. Okay. We were ranked number 97 in the country. Jeez. Michigan state was ranked 111. Woo. So, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily see adding a Michigan State Spartan as, ah, this is great. We're going to boost up our running game. There's room for optimism. That's how I look at it. There's room for optimism. (laughs) Sure. I think that there's also experience that comes with it, and you don't want to have to start, you know, true freshmen who are coming in. I mean, who who else do we have besides Ollie Gordon on the depth chart and i just pulled up notes from oh we got nixon and jackson like we're we're pretty good fair fair um i can't keep track of who's in and who's out because richardson left i'm like who who's in but i'm also just pulling up my notes from week one because one of my biggest questions entering this season was how do you replace jalen warren because he last season in 2021 warren averaged almost 20 carries a game and ran for over 1200 yards Dom Richardson comes in. He's supposed to be the guy that carries the load. But last season in 2021, Dom Richardson only had three games in which he had more than 10 carries. So I think to have running back by committee would be very beneficial to this offense because then you don't have a workhorse running back. And the fact that our our number one running back this season, going into the season, only had 10 carries in three games is yeah. startling. Yeah. I mean, hey. <laughs> Uh, Richardson ain't coming back anytime soon, right? So we got to find a way to make the work. So you take a look at our running backs coach, John Wozniak. Whatever you were able to do for uh, for Warren, what you were able to do for the likes of – yeah, well, I guess really just Warren, right? Uh, please, like, come back. Yeah. That. Well, that means that you can also get like a consultant, a running back consultant to come in there for, you know, what we have done in the past with Schubert Hubbard and Justice Hill. Like, hey, 
The more eyes, the better. Yeah, for Hubbard Hill, uh, especially Jalen Warren, those guys were great at being able to read the blocks great and their own blocking scheme. Uh, whereas last year it seemed like that wasn't necessarily the case. And that's why the talk is that we're going to change up the blocking scheme to be more of a gap assignment and uh, just get downhill, get uh, Ollie Gordon just pounding away. But yeah, if we're going to be doing that, we definitely need to have more depth because it's going to be a lot more physical, a lot harder on the body. Um, so it's, it's very much needed, very much appreciated. So I'm looking forward to it though. I mean, 20 carries a game is a lot. So if you can find a way to spread the the workload a little bit too, and I mean to go not to keep going back to the Patriots because they're NFL team, but you never knew who was going to get the ball. So if you can create a situation where, okay, you have two backs in, okay, well, we need to prepare for Ollie Gordon or could it be Collins or could it be Nixon? You know, like who who is going to get it, which just keeps the defenses guessing. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see what happens come September and how it all, how it all shakes out. One question though, which I don't want to say that I was shocked and surprised, but a couple weeks ago we had the emergency episode with players entering the portal, the chaos within the program. And then we still landed a bunch of, you know, transfers and commits this weekend. Why do you think people still want to come and play at Oklahoma state, even amid the chaos? Well, I've actually I've got kind of a positive viewpoint on it and a negative viewpoint on the matter. So I'll start with the positive. Um, I think there can be something that could be said still about continuity across the coaching staff uh, for coaches who don't necessarily want to be big portal guys and who prefer to develop their talent over multiple years. I mean, no one goes to school thinking. Uh, it's just a matter of time before my position coach or my head coach leaves or gets fired. So right. they want that structure in their future. And, um, you know, cause if your coach leaves, you, you're going to bring in another coach and they could be bringing in their guys. And then it becomes a still of like maybe politics and what, what your future looks like. So I think that a ton can be said about the stability of the program in that, in that regard. Um, and then, yeah, while there are like highs and lows for Oklahoma state, the low is still quite a bit better than some of these other programs out there. A lot of programs. Um, I was just thinking about Michigan State, for example. I mean, they'll win 12 games one year and then three games the next year. Or they'll win five games one year and 11 games the next year. Completely up and down, you know, making bowls, not making bowls. Uh, Washington is kind of similar in that regard. They'll win four, four games one year. Then the next they'll win 11. So, but the difference is their highs are right near the top of the mountain. I just mentioned Michigan state and Washington, and those are two teams that have made the college football playoff. Yeah. So you don't take that for what you will. Um, now onto my negative viewpoint, <laughs> I think it's very likely that the reason these guys are committing despite the program being kind of a bit of a mess right now is just because these guys aren't getting offers from anywhere better than Oklahoma state. I mean, I was looking at Jalen Pope. He has offers from air force, Columbia, Lafayette, and Tulsa. Uh, Andrews has offers from Dartmouth, Drake, and Navy. So it's not like OSU's in these major recruiting battles against other big 12 schools where they maybe should be like, TCU, Texas Tech, K-State, Baylor, Iowa State, those are teams that are hovering around that 
19 to 35 ranking in recruiting and OSU is not anywhere near that right now. Yeah. Uh, we're sitting around what 63, I think right now is what I'm showing. And like the highest rated recruit coming out for 2023 Zane floors. I mean, he had offers from Washington and K state, Missouri. Th- those are the kind of recruiting battles you kind of want to be in if you want to have that success. But of course we all want more guys like Kendall Daniels, right? Highly rated four-star guys where you're beating out teams like Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Notre Dame, Texas A&M, the list goes on. But, I mean, was it difficult to recruit him? Maybe, probably, but is it worth it? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, look look what he's doing as a redshirt freshman for our program right now. So I don't know uh, why our coaching staff continues to try to make it work with less uh, just make it easier on yourself at this point. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Justin, those are my sentiments. Exactly. Right. Like I think that was my biggest concern. Whenever you look at the quality of the players that are coming in, you're like, okay, you know, you're, you're choosing from the best of maybe the bottom third, but you know, the best of the bottom third, but to give it a positive spin, I will say if anybody, if any program is able to take two, three star recruits and turn them into drafted NFL players, it's, it's our strength and conditioning staff. You've seen Coach Glass do it with the likes of Justin Blackman, you know, and people like that around you know, you know the country as they come into the program. So that gives me some optimism. But as you said, make it easy on yourself, man. <laughs> Why do you want to have to do that? You know, just get that guy who, who's, who's that blue chip recruit and let's get rolling. I think there's something to your point about, you know, Kendall Daniels and some of the schools. You know, my question is, would he have been a starter as a redshirt freshman at Alabama or Notre Dame? And we I mean, we kind of had this conversation, you know, with when we first started talking about the transfer portal like a month ago and players went assigned to this big program, this prestigious program, because, oh, Alabama is top tier football. Okay, well, are you going to play there? Come to Oklahoma State and you can play and actually get taped together and build your way to the NFL. Well, I'll tell you a story. Back in 2016, I was working for the Miami Dolphins, and we had a guy who had signed to our practice squad. And whenever you sign to the practice squad, you can get poached by any other team in the country. The only thing is – sorry, not in the country, but in the NFL. The only thing is whenever that team signs you to their active roster, you have to be on an active list for at least three weeks before you can get released or go back down to the practice squad. So I remember we had a, our guy on the practice squad. He had an offer sheet from the Denver Broncos, and he's talking to me. He's like, man, what do I do? I'm, I'm familiar here. I have a, a, an apartment down here in South Florida. The coaches like me, I think I have a really a real chance to elevate from the practice squad and contribute to the team. I said, bro, go where you can play. <laughs> like I'm, I'm telling you right now, go wherever gives you the best chance to play. Do you think that's here or do you think that's going to be on this team that's willing to put you on an active roster right now and give you a chance? So back to the example that you gave, Meg. Go where you have the chance to play. Kendall Daniels, yeah, maybe he wouldn't have been the starter or had a chance to play at a Notre Dame or at a Alabama. But because he was at Oklahoma State, look at him now. Freshman right. All-American, right? FWAA. And you know what happened to that player at the Dolphins? He never actually got elevated from the practice squad. He stayed on the active uh, – he stayed on the practice squad the entire season. And unfortunately, uh, a couple seasons later, got cut. Never actually played significant snaps in the NFL. Go where you can play. And a lot of times – Oklahoma State is going to be that school. Yeah, hard hard to get to the NFL if you can't put a highlight reel together or show. You know, put it yeah, on tape. Put it on tape. It's. I mean, yeah. 
And I think a lot of people like, uh, you know, some of the recruits that I just listed off, I don't necessarily believe that they're going to make an immediate impact whenever they come in as freshmen or sophomores. They're probably going to have to develop, like you said, Eve, under our strength and conditioning program with Coach Glass. Uh, I don't want to short our position coaches because they're some of the best in the game as well. And they're able to develop that talent over time. And, you know, by the time that these guys are juniors and seniors, they're going to be up there with some of the guys that were higher recruited than they were uh, higher rated recruits. Um, I think a lot of that also plays into the fact of X's and O's chemistry with your team over time, how that develops. Um, There's a lot of factors that play into your individual success, but um, I would say as far as like Kendall Daniels, you know, maybe that's kind of the, maybe the example for him. It's like you go to Alabama or Notre Dame or somewhere like that. Maybe he's not playing right now, but I think he is good enough that he would be playing by the time he's a junior or senior potentially. Um, but you also have to worry about the recruits that are consistently coming in in Alabama. They might go out and get a five-star, just complete freak athlete, you know, and uh, he could just come in and take your position too. So uh, I love that he is with Oklahoma State, decided to stay with Oklahoma State, and uh, that he's making a huge impact for us. And yeah, he could play as a junior or senior at Alabama, but he's playing now as a freshman at Oklahoma State. So you get more years to build your resume, improve your draft stock. Yeah. And, yeah <laughs> game reps uh, compared to, you know, just practice reps, big so difference. Different. Yeah. So different. Developing in real time, week by week. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah, and, and you know what? I get a real feeling that those guys that decided to stay in the program did not hit the transfer portal. Truly, truly care about the program. They want to make it work, and they want to be the ones that are the catalysts, right? They want to be the culture carriers. I love Xavier Benson, for example, Oklahoma State starting linebacker, going out here and saying, "Hey, we're going to stay calm throughout this whole thing." Then he go and he released a statement, basically saying that, "Hey." Coach Gundy is going to put together a plan, right? Hey, it's, it was a reassuring message to the fans and saying, hey, the coaching, the coaching staff, we have a plan in action. Players that choose to stay, they're going to continue to fight for this program, and we're going to keep moving forward. And I love the fact that he was able to say that as a leader of this team, as a starter in this program, and I love that he's able to just speak that into, in, into the minds of all these fans and saying, hey, the people that are here really want to be here. Not only do we want to be here, we want to be the ones that turn this whole ship around and, and, and keep it pushing going forward. So just- Eve, I got to say, on top of that, I love that he actually, one, is showing leadership in the midst of this perceived chaos, but yeah. two, that he's actually, he's typing out words instead of cryptic emojis. Thank you so much, Xavier Benson, for that, man. I, I don't even know. I'm losing. I, I have no idea what's going on with Being so much right now. Hey, thank you, Xavier. Hey, thank you for just being an adult, using your words. Use like, your words. Yes. You have those. Uh, yeah. Wow. Wow. As we're recording this, the Big 12 schedule is still not out. So hopefully it comes out by the end of this week. And then next week we can talk more about our opponents. Will there be a bedlam? Won't there be a bedlam by next week? We will know where Spencer Sanders has officially committed. We'll maybe, see. maybe, maybe uh, we'll see, but <laughs> you know, there could be some news breaking this week about maybe a new, new coach is coming in. Um, so we're just excited for kind of a, a crazy 
crazy off season. We thought it might be a little slow and it has, it has not been that yet, but go ahead. I'm going to add, you know, as we're recording this on Tuesday, January 17th on the evening, and we still haven't had an actual schedule come out yet. UCF's athletic director told everybody that the big 12 schedule was going to be released on Tuesday. And UCF just joined the conference and they're already taking L's. So we got to get this thing together. Like if you're going to join the big 12, we got to make sure that you're on point, baby. We're trying to become a national brand. We're trying to, we're trying to pass up the big 10 right now. Get it right. What are we doing? First of all, E, was that your source? Like, why were, why would you listen to him? He's the new guy. Why would you ever listen to the new guy? That's my my new guy. I got, I got mesmerized by their uniforms. I think that they're going to come into the conference and actually give a lot of teams a run for their money with their unis, as Justin Williams mentioned last last episode. Well, if if the schedule is out by the time this podcast is released, please let us know your thoughts on the schedule. You know, tweet at us, comment us, message us, and we'll try to get some of your thoughts in on the show. So if you have them about the schedule that is hopefully released by the end of this week, hopefully, hopefully released by January 20th, which is Friday, uh, we'll talk about it. And if not, we'll just, we'll save it for the next time. You know, it's got, it's got to come out eventually. I heard by the end of January. So we still have a couple weeks left in the month, but before we go, I want to shout out another Oklahoma state team. Our softball team are ranked number three in the top 25 preseason rankings. It is the highest preseason ranking in the history of the program. So let's go, girls. Sorry. Let's go, ladies. Let's get it done. You know, if you guys have not been to an OSU softball game, highly recommend going. It is fun. Sit on the decks in the outfield. Great time. Highly recommend it. In fact, I would even challenge people to have a, 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 here's a good goal for 2023. So my senior, my junior year, actually, I decided to make it a personal goal that I was going to attend every single competition for all the programs at Oklahoma State, which included our our cheer and stunt teams, right? So I went to all of them. I went to golf. I went to men's and women's golf. I went to the cross-country meets. I just wanted to do it. You know, it's just something that I wanted to do. And there's never any shortage of entertainment. There's always something fun. You get to meet some tremendous people. And it just feels good to support the program that you actually love and care about. So um, softball, I'm looking forward to actually attending one of y'all's games this season. And let's get it done. Go Pokes. Also, uh, tip of the cap to baseball, also ranked in the top 10. I saw they were ranked number nine in one of the polls. I think baseball has like 20 different polls, so giving them a hard time there. But uh, what's crazy is you think the SEC is good in football? They have like seven teams ranked in the top 10 in baseball for for right now at least. So a lot of of good baseball on deck, I'm sure. Um, And who would have thought that? Get it, it, pun intended. On on deck, deck. for real. On deck. And, and who would have thought that Alabama basketball was going to be good this season? Like, what, what in the world? Like, how did y'all? Yeah. You know, how, how did but also, yo, everyone gives SEC all of this. Oh, they're the, the premier conference in football. All right. We'll put some respect on the Big 12 in basketball. Hands down, the best conference. I think they had like seven teams in the top 25 or something crazy like that. So put some respect on their name. I don't want to hear anything. They're the best conference in college basketball. Yeah. And you know what? I love how Mike Boynton was talking about how, and and I think every coach in the big 12 was probably thinking this and Mike Boynton actually said it. He was like, why can't there be nine, 10 big 12 schools actually going into the tournament? 
right? Like if, if you look around, you can see that we're competitive as a league. We are hands down the best product as a conference whenever it comes to basketball. In fact, there was a game, I think it was ESPN plus was playing Alabama versus LSU, which ended up being like a 40 point blowout. It wasn't even close when, when Kansas and Iowa state were playing and that ended up going down to the wire, a great matchup. And you're just like, how? And look, I get it. Look, Subscription models is going to be the future. Ten years from now, I don't even know if direct TV is going to exist anymore. I know that a lot of if you've ever talked to an, a media executive, there are five million different decisions that go into choosing who's going to play at what time they're going to play, why they're playing, how they're like. I, I get all that. But you're trying to watch Alabama versus LSU 40 point blowout versus Iowa State versus Kansas in the best conference. What are we talking about? Put some respect on the Big 12 Conference. And you know what? I love that Brett Yormark is out there showing up at all these games. He's making statements about it. He's out there saying, you know what? If OU and Texas are going to leave sooner than 2025, that's cool with me. You know, like Texas, they have $90 million to actually leave and do the, do the whole buyout because, you know, money just prints freely out of, out of Austin, Texas. <laughs> I don't think uh, OU is willing to pay the $90 million to go, so we might actually get another season because oh. they're poor. <laughs> so we might get another season of OU in Texas actually being in the Big 12 Conference, but I can't see it lasting um, you know, longer than, you know, past 2023. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I just I just double-checked. There are six teams of the Big 12 in the top 25 for basketball, seven if you include Houston, who will future Big 12 sit in number one. So, Yeah. Yeah, I think Texas Tech is kind of holding us all back right now, Texas Tech. What are y'all doing? When you're doing your brackets, come March, think Big 12. And with that, thank you for listening to another episode of the Believe in OK State podcast presented by Bet Online. I am Meg, Justin, Eve. Like, share, subscribe, follow, all the things. And of course, go Pokes. Go Pokes. Go Pokes, baby. Oh.